0: Getting into the theme of our service now. So, I wonder if the children would like to come to the front because we've got some things for you to do. We've got a treasure hunt for you. And there might be some chocolate involved as well. <laughs> if you're good. So come on and... Uh, great. Sit anywhere, sit down. Just take a seat anywhere you want. So, good, good. That's a good number of you. That's great. Come on, there's plin- always room for one more. Now, actually, some of you will have seen, all of you should have seen, over the last few weeks, all of this, this mess. Look at this mess behind you. Yeah, that's all lost property, stuff that people in this church have lost and not not collected. And that's only half of it, because there was more than that. In fact, this is this is a photograph of the stuff. There's all these wellies. So, so, I don't know what, but some people came to church in wellies and went home without wellies. <laughs> I don't, don't get that, but maybe it was raining, it wasn't raining. Where's Wally? Now, Where's Wally is a book about Where's Wally, yeah? But even the books were lost. So, where's, where's Wally? Where's the Where's Wally books? I don't know. Somebody's lost them. And this was, the, this was my favourite, though. Was, so, there's Bear Trap. <laughs> So somebody came to church wearing trousers <laughs> or went home without trousers, what kind of person does that? Did he, would these fit you, Ethan? Are sure they're not yours? Could be. Anyone want? To? They're yours. <laughs> well, good for owning up. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a few more things there as well. You'd better just uh, have a look. But, actually, um, there's also, I asked last week, uh, who else is a loser and has lost things? And a couple of people said, I wonder if, I don't, Tim, who has a great story about losing something on his wedding day, are you here? You said you might not be. Any story that starts on my wedding day is a good story, isn't it? Yeah. And it did involve losing a ring. But, um, Beatrice, are you here? Yes. Now, can you just tell us your story of losing something really important and what happened? Thanks.
1: Well, when he asked me, I thought right away about the day I lost the glass off my watch. It was a watch that had been bought for my 21st, and I'd lost the glass. I'd gone to my mum and dad's for my dinner, and to get to my mum and dad's, you have to cross a rough field. We used to call it the croft. There was one or two rough paths on it, but it was a rough field. And I'd gone across this field, got to my mum and dad, and realised I'd lost the glass off my watch. And I thought, oh, goodness, where is it? It took me sleeve, I loop there, didn't know where I'd lost it. Went back to work, because it was in my dinner hour I'd been. And when I got back to work, I hunted on my desk and in the office. But no, it wasn't there either. And then a few days later, I was going to my mum's again for my dinner. She was proper good like that.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs>
1: In my dinner hour again from work. And I was going to my mum's and I got to this field and I thought, I wonder if I've lost it on this field. I thought, but it'd be impossible to find it. And I just sent a narrow prayer up to the Lord and said, if my watch glasses here help me to find it, And as I walked across, and I wasn't really searching, I was just glancing as I went, and as I walked across this field, there was my watch glass. And the thing is, watches, when I got one for the 21st, were only very tiny. Mm. It was a little, tiny, square gold watch. And the, the glass was no bigger than my thumbnail. Amazing. And yet I found it on this field. Well, you can imagine how I rejoiced at finding it. Yeah.
0: I was thrilled to bits. Fantastic. Thanks, Beatrice. And Sheila, where are you? You have a story about finding something. You had a story about losing something as well, but let's have the finding story.
2: I was coming home from Sainsbury's in the car one day and saw a little boy, must have been about two, the side of the road, it's a very busy road as you know, and on the other side he was just standing looking like he was going to cross. So I pulled up quickly and just yelled to him, stay where you are. Um, another car stopped on the side, saw I stopped and carried on. So I crossed the road, and this little boy trusted me, which was amazing. Brought him across the road. Thought, now what do I do? Before mobile phones, I'd not got a phone, and not got anything I could contact anybody. So I sat him in my car. He was very happy, um, telling to, to drive the car, and just looked around and thought, I'm going to have to stop a car, ask them to ask them to go and to help me, and perhaps go and find the police or whatever. And about probably about five minutes later, it seemed ages, this frantic lady came out of the houses on my side, saying, you see, little boy? And there he was, very happily playing, completely oblivious of the fact he was lost
0: in my car. She must have been frantic. She must have been frantic. And actually, uh, I've lost a few things as well. I'm a loser as well. I've, I've actually lost many, many scarves, pairs, pairs of gloves... Umbrellas. So I did have a good look through that lost property over there. Also lost a smartphone in a taxi once. I had two phones. I put one down to pay the taxi driver and went out without it. He never brought it back. I've lost a suitcase, a full suitcase with everything in it. With all my clothes, all my holiday stuff, all my skiing gear, everything. Got stolen off a train in Barcelona. That's not good, is it? And actually, I have to admit, having made fun of you, I have actually lost a pair of trousers as well. <laughs> But it wasn't my fault because we have we have like an understanding in our house that whenever we leave a hotel, it's Alison's job to go around the hotel and check. <laughs> that, and so I mean you know didn't do the job, lost a pair of trousers as well. Actually, I've also lost a toddler's pushchair. I once put our little girl in the car and left the pushchair in the car park and drove off. Never got it back. And once, I did actually lose a child, which is a horrible thing. I was in the, I know, I was in the metro centre in Newcastle. There's a big play area, and a safe play area enclosed. And I was in there, and had two daughters, and one was a baby, and one was about three. And the three-year-old was running around this Wendy house, going in the door, up the stairs, down the slide, in the door, up the stairs, down the slide. And I was just looking through a magazine that I'd bought, some sort of gadget magazine. And after about three, four minutes, I thought, I haven't seen her for a minute or two. And I waited, and she didn't come down the slide, so then I went round the Wendy house and looked in, and thought, oh, she's not in. She must have gone to one of the other play things in the play area. I went round every one of them, and she wasn't there. And then you just feel devastated. Where's my child? It's just a horrible, horrible feeling. It really is. And she wasn't in the play area. And it's a secure area. Somehow, a three-year-old had got out, and she'd gone into the department store. Be- so began a lifelong love of shopping. You know? LAUGHTER Fortunately, somebody saw this three-year-old and brought it back and they didn't think much of me, I tell you. And I I will say as well, when Alison said, oh, how did you get on at the metro centre with the girls? They said, oh, it was all all right. (laughs) Nothing happened. I know, it's not good. Now, actually, the Bible says that we can be lost. Every one of us can be lost. How can we be lost? And the Bible doesn't mean... In a, in, a, in a shopping centre, or in the town, or on a hill, the Bible means there's two ways that we can get lost. We can be lost if we just don't know God, if we just don't know Jesus. The Bible calls that being lost. And we often think of that when we think of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But actually, the Bible also teaches that any of us as Christians, we can be lost as well. We can, be, we can know God and still get lost because of thing, we're doing things we shouldn't be doing, maybe going round with people we shouldn't be going round with. We can be lost, or we can be lost because we're just too busy to spend time with God. We're just too busy. And we can become more and more distant, and eventually, we lose sight of God. We can be lost as well, sometimes, because we sometimes just don't think we're good enough for God. There was a time in my life when I felt I'd done so much wrong. I didn't want to be a Christian anymore, because I thought, I've done so much wrong. How could God love somebody like me? And I felt lost. So even Christians can feel lost. But the Bible teaches God is looking for people who are lost. God is looking for people who are lost. Now, do you think you're good at finding treasure? Yeah, 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 okay. So, I'm just going to check that John is on the door. That around this church, upstairs and downstairs, there are ten coins like this that have been hidden. Ten coins, right? 10 coins. No, there's 10 out there. You have to find them. Um, John will make sure that nobody wanders off into central of limb, <laughs> I hope, and Darren will help. So, and if you're really small, you want to join him, you might need your mummy or daddy with you. But do you want to go round? Hang on, whoa, 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 just hang on. Look for the 10 coins. Don't go outside, upstairs or downstairs. Uh, if you find one, bring it back. If you find two, just leave the second one. Leave it for somebody else to find, all right? And um, if you need to go with a parent, do. So, upstairs, downstairs, off you go. See what you can do. <laughs> Is everybody back in, Darren? I haven't lost any. Good stuff. Has anybody else got a coin, then? Good. Right, let's see how we did. So, there was ten hidden around church, okay. How many did you find? One. Two. Three. Four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Where's the other one? Oh, we didn't find one. <laughs> you didn't find one, did you not? Okay, well, that's good, but I mean, it would be even better if you did find one. But So we're still missing one, but let's listen to this story that talks about ten coins, or is it nine coins? Jesus told the story once, because people, the teachers... And the priests were were having a go at Jesus and saying he was a bad man. And he he wasn't doing, he wasn't behaving well because he had friends who basically were were not thought of very highly. They were people who collected taxes. They've done things in the past that were wrong. And Jesus had them as his friends. And people said, that's not right, Jesus. You shouldn't have those as your friends. And Jesus told them this story. He said, suppose... There's a woman who has ten silver coins, just like these silver sixpences, except real. Ten silver coins. Now, this woman, actually, she gets them on a, on a, on a headband as a wedding present. She has a, a rather dipsy smile on her face, I think, but she's obviously pleased. She's got ten coins, and she shows her neighbours, look, look at my headband, my wedding present with ten coins on it. She's really pleased. Then she carries on, and as we notice, one of them seems to have dropped off. She realises that one of her coins is missing. She's only got nine, just like we've only got nine here on the floor. So what does she do? What does she do? She actually sweeps the whole house, empties every corner, goes around looking. She gets on her hands and knees on the floor in the sawdust, getting into every little nook and cranny in her house, looking for a coin. And Jesus said she even lights a lamp at night because she doesn't stop looking. She never stops looking. And she goes on looking until she finds that one coin. And when she finds it, what does she do? What does she do? She goes and tells her neighbours again, I've found my coin. I've got my ten coins. Here's the tenth one. I've got my ten coins. And they have a party. They celebrate. Because this woman has lost a coin lost, and she's found all ten. And Jesus says it's like that with us If one of us is lost, God doesn't just sit back and say, oh, well, I'll just wait for them to come back. I'll just see if they turn up. God goes looking. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. If you had 10 of anything, would you really care if you lost one? I don't know. If you had 10 pairs of shoes, would would you mind if you lost one pair of shoes? You might mind a bit, but you'd get over it. Or if you had 10 phones or 10 gadgets or 10 Playstations, would you really be bothered if you lost one? You'd think, no, you wouldn't, would you? You'd think, well, I've still got nine. Yeah? Would you really care if you had ten and you lost one? You know what? God cares. God cares. If one person is far away from him, if one person doesn't know him, if one person has lost sight of God, God cares about that. Again, we can be lost by not knowing Jesus, but we can be lost even if we know Jesus and there's something in the way, maybe something we've done, Maybe something we haven't done. Maybe people we're going around with. Maybe we're just too busy to spend time with him. Or maybe we don't feel good enough. These are all things that make us lost, can make us lost from God. So, I have a question. Where in the Bible do we see God running fast? God running fast. Now, we're going to have a story. But, kids, I did say, you're welcome to sit here and listen to the story. Or... Darren has got some colouring, or will have, at the back. Thanks, Darren. If you want to go to the back and do some colouring, Anne, could you give those out? It's roughly a chocolate coin, a big chocolate coin, or two squares of chocolate per person, or two small coins. All for me. Ah, well. So if you want to go? If you want to go with Darren and colour, you get some chocolate. If you want to hear the story and get your chocolate later, that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Darren. <laughs> Okay. Did you see the hesitation there? So this, uh, this story is, ad- is adapted from Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? And there's a recording of it on my website if you want to hear it. A girl grows up Somewhere not far from here, just outside Manchester, in the countryside, near an apple orchard, in spring, there are hundreds of apple trees blooming. But as she grows up and becomes a teenager, things change in her house, and her parents really don't like the way she's turning out. Her music is too loud, her skirt is too short, and when she puts a stud in her ear, well, that's the last straw. I hate you, she shouts one night as her dad knocks on her door after she stormed out and slammed the door shut. And that night, she, puts into, she decides to put into practice a plan that she's been thinking about for years. She's going to run away from home. So that night, she gathers all the money that she's got, and she takes quite a bit of money that's not hers, from her mum and dad, and she gathers it together. And at 4am, she's on a bus from Manchester to London. She gets into London that morning and wanders around Right by the end of the first day, two blokes in really nice cars find her, and they pick her up, and they give her a good meal to eat, and they chat to her. Then they take her to a flat where there's other young people, and they basically give her some tablets that make her feel a lot better. She thinks, I was right all along. My mum and dad were just keeping me from all this fun. They teach her how to sell drugs on the street, and she's pretty good at it. She's one of their top sellers to young people and old. She can smoke as well now, and it's pretty soon she's on 20 cigarettes a day. She does have a scare one day when she sees a newspaper with loads of missing children on, including her face, and the headline, Have You Seen This Child? But now, nobody would recognise her. She's only 15, but she looks about 21. She's got makeup, body piercing, tattoos, and she smokes. She's got nicotine stains. She carries on for a bit and all is well. But then, one week, she, gets, she wakes up and she can't get out of bed. She's really ill. She's never, been, never coughed like this before. She can't stop. So maybe it's one of the needles that she had. Or maybe it's one of the tablets that she took that wasn't great. But she can't get over this illness. It's amazing how quickly her boss turns nasty. We can't take any risks these days, he says. And before she knows it, she's out on her ear. Out on the street, sitting there alone. She can beg for the odd pound, she can steal the odd purse, but she's hungry, she's cold and she has to feed her drug habit. She tries to sleep on the outside department stores on the gratings which are a bit warmer, but sleep isn't really the right word. A 15 year old in London can never really let down her guard. Pretty soon she has dark bands around her eyes, her voice has become hoarse. And her cough has got even worse. One night, she's sitting there alone. She's cold. She's miserable. She's really hungry. And she needs a fix. And suddenly, she doesn't feel like a grown-up woman anymore. Suddenly, she feels like a little girl who's lost. And then something snaps in her head. Something jolts. And suddenly, a single image fills her mind. She's back home hundred apple trees are in bloom and she's chasing through the orchard and playing with her golden retriever. She even sees in this vision herself at three years old when her daddy, she remembers the day her daddy brought that dog home and gave it to her. And suddenly, more than anything else in the world, she wants to be home. My God, she says, why did I leave? Even my dog eats better than I do. She goes into a supermarket and borrows a phone off a guy and tries to call home. Three straight calls home, three connections to the answering machine. There's nobody there. The first two times, she just puts the phone down. But the third time, she leaves the message. Mum, Dad, it's me. I'm going to come home tomorrow night, she says. If you're not there, it's okay. I'll understand. And she puts the phone down. She gives the phone back to the guy. She's still got Two or three girlfriends in London. So she clubs together, gets some money off them, and manages to buy a return ticket from London to Manchester because she doesn't know what's going to happen. She gets on the bus at 6 pm and uh, it takes six hours for that bus to get through all the stops between London and Manchester. And during that time, she's thinking, she realizes all the flaws in her plan. What if her mum and dad are away? What if they've gone on holiday? What if they're there, but they just don't want to talk to her anymore? She stole from them. It's been a year since she left. She realises all the flaws in her plan. And her mind is darting between that and the rehearsed speech that she's putting together in her head. What shall I say to my dad? So she's got these words, Dad, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? It's not your fault, it's mine. Dad, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? It's not your fault, it's mine. Her throat tightens as she says these words. It's been years since she apologised to anyone. It's a January evening and it's snowing and the headlights of the bus are picking out the snow as she gazes out. At one point, the driver brakes gently to avoid a rabbit that runs across in the headlights. She watches and then suddenly, oh no, it's there. Manchester, we're nearly there. What am I going to do? She doesn't know what to do. 19 miles to Manchester. Finally, just before midnight, the bus rolls into Chaltern Street bus station. It's grey, it's cold, it's raining. It's a horrible night. It's January. It's nearly midnight. And she's sitting there on the bus. She checks her compact mirror, tries to get the lipstick stains off her teeth, and looks at the nicotine stains all over her palms. And then she says, well, there'll be nobody here anyway. She's not sure what to do still. And then the driver, the driver's voice comes crackling over the radio. 15 minutes, folks. 15 minutes, then the bus goes back to London. 15 minutes. She's got 15 minutes to decide her life. 15 minutes to decide what to do. She's 15 years old, and she's got 15 minutes that determine the rest of her life. What is she going to do? I'll tell you. But first of all, Jesus told that story, a, very, a story very like it, a long time ago. He told the story of a boy who took his father's money, went and wasted it all on reckless living, realised his mistake and wanted to come home. And if we were the father or the mother, perhaps we would have said, of course you can come back, but you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to change this, we're going to have to talk about this and we have to sort this out. But the Bible tells us that all came later. God, the Bible tells us, God was looking out for that son. See, when you have done anything, or I, I, the Bible says that God doesn't just say, well, I've still got 99, I've still got nine. He comes out and he looks. He scans the horizon every day. He looks and he says, could that be my little boy coming home after so long? Is that really my little girl who I lost so many years ago? And the Bible tells us that God came running. He didn't wait for his son to come to him. God went running and he threw his arms around his son. His son couldn't get the speech out. couldn't say the words, Father, will you forgive me? That's grace, that's God's love. Putting things right came later, but God's grace is unconditional, which means he loves us, whatever we've done, he loves us unlovely people as we are right now. He always loves us. Grace is always first with God. So what happened to the girl in Chalton Street bus station? She's gone through in her head all the possible situ all the possible scenes that could that could arise, all the possible possibilities, but not one of them prepared her for what happened, what she saw that night. She steps out of the bus and goes round the corner and there, waiting at the wrong bus stop, are 20 of her relatives, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, two grandmas, and her mum and dad. And they've even put together a hastily made welcome home sign above the bus station. She, she watches as, as speechless. Out of the crowd, her dad breaks out, comes towards her. Through the steaming hot tears, she begins a speech. Dad, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Can you forgive me? Hush child, says her dad. That's all later. We've got a heck of a party waiting for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you love us just as we are. You've always loved us. Romans 5 says, God has shown us how much he loved us. It was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. Lord, you didn't wait for us to become good people. You didn't wait for us to put things right. You didn't wait for us to become better characters. You didn't wait for us, Lord, to come back to you. Thank you, Lord, that you always chase us down. You come running after us. When one of us turns our heart back towards you, you're there. You come running towards us. Lord, I pray for people here today, Lord, who may feel lost, who may feel far away through something that's happened to them, something they've done, or just not feeling good enough. Any of us here, Lord, who feels lost, Lord, reach out. Pray, Lord, for your encouragement, for your compassion, and, Lord, for your grace and your love to surround them. Yes, that in Jesus' name. Amen.